Today we tell the story of a brand with superstar co-founding support. I haven't done this before on this show yet, but we're starting off with a big one, Kobe Bryant, and the lessons that he passed along to our guest on This Authentic Avenue. Art of Sport, a body care brand empowering all athletes to look, feel, and perform at the top of their game on and off the field. Co-founding alongside Kobe was our guest for today, Matthias Metternich, who serves as Art of Sport's CEO. After founding businesses across the globe, Matthias decided to bring his talents to LA and pursue a business with the Black Mamba. Of course, that means this show will not only talk about some of the lessons learned and the firepower that that partnership brought, but also the resilience of how to put a brand together following the tragic death of Kobe Bryant in January of 2020. We don't shy away from that conversation today, and we also talk about Matthias's hopes for 2021. I really wanted to bring this one to you today because I feel a lot of people look at celebrity-backed brands and wonder if their successes are just based off the fame of the talent or the product itself. I think this episode proves the latter is true, but I'll leave you, the listener, to decide that for yourself on today's episode as we dive into how Art of Sport has developed over the last year and how the process has been trusted. So sit back and get ready to take in some real-life lessons as I get real with Art of Sport and Matthias Metternich. Matthias, how are you? Welcome. Great. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. We are uh, recording this, uh, folks, a little bit earlier than you're hearing, about 10 days prior. Uh, I'm here in the D.C. area. We've had some crazy stuff happen. Uh, you're a, a citizen of the world, Matthias. You grew up in Germany, did a lot of work in the U.K., now, of course, been here in the U.S. for a while. You ever seen some crazy environment like this before? Uh, you know, I have not. And I think, obviously, without getting too deep into uh, a political discussion, I think that everyone, particularly my friends around the world, are looking at this moment and um, just surprised to see the sort of cradle of democracy, the new cradle of democracy, um, uh, experiencing this kind of uh, this kind of turmoil. So, um, you know, it's one that we're all, of course, um, worried about, um, but I think that what we've what we've come away with is a probably a, a, a stronger understanding of the importance of our institutions, and um, hopefully we'll see a, a, a sort of a, a lot more of a concerted effort, particularly from younger generations, to to make sure that um, you know we have a, a strong democracy with the right checks and balances in place. You know what I saw over the last day. Um was from the, the the brand side of the world. A lot of people asking uh, or just advising that uh, campaigns and messaging be shut off for for the day, and you know, being as reactive as possible to the moment being very important. Is that something that you saw in in the world as well? I, I would think that you wouldn't want to put any messaging out or any advertising that would seem um, maybe not insensitive, but certainly just incongruent with the moment. Mm. Uh, it's a that's an interesting question. I think I think one thing that we tend to uh, prioritize in our business is is authenticity, which is you know um, useful in the context of of the conversation we're about to have. But I think from our perspective, we've we've been very uh, aware and uh, supportive of uh, using our platform to put messages into the world that that um, that we believe in and that, and and about the world we'd like to see. And we particularly, I think, felt strongly about um, the BLM movement and, and um, social injustice. And we have a number of incredible athletes that we work with from all different walks of life across the country with whom, you know, a rich dialogue about the current 
social landscape is is sort of always always running and and incredibly enlightening. And so to that end, I think those things are all linked um, to to what we're seeing um, in in the world today. And to that end, I think that as a brand, because we care about those things, because we believe in in using our platform to advocate for things that we believe in, um, that it's not an off limits uh, area for us uh, because we've been authentic to that from from the beginning. Um, but nevertheless, I think a, a degree of uh, decorum is is important, and and wading into these sorts of conversations as a brand, I think is is uh, is always smells a little bit exploitative, um, irrespective of of um, the businesses or the brand's leanings. So so I think that we are trying to be um, considerate and cautious and and careful um, to not um, uh, throw our hat into the ring. Uh, for the sake of uh, promoting promoting the brand or promoting the business, and where we find that there are authentic ways to be supportive, then of course we would we would be leaning into those. Right. I had heard that yesterday as the sort of corollary to it, which is if your hat hasn't been in, in the ring already, keep it out today or yep. right now for this whole thing. People who have made their opinions known, businesses that have made their views known on these topics should speak probably, um, and I would guess. That is not seen as exploitative, but if you feel passionate about these things, you've sort of earned the right to play. I want to ask about uh, getting into this. You've had a whole bunch of different plays over the years across the world. Um, of course, the one that you are involved with right now, Art of Sports, something that you co-founded uh, just about three years ago at this point. Uh, you've mentioned to me is one of the ones that I think you're a little bit more passionate about than some others. And I want to know about why that is and maybe uh, mm-hmm. the elements of something which make it more appealing to you or appealing to somebody. Does it have to do with authenticity? Does it have to do with a moment? But I'm curious about that simply because you've had all these things. This is the card you've picked for right now. And I'm curious why. Yeah, I think that that's um, on the journey toward toward finding meaning um, in life and the things that we do. And I think as one gets older to an extent, that becomes more of a focal point in part because um, I think time is is that much more valuable. Um, you know, I think that that one tends to lean toward um, taking all of the experiences one has had, um, all of the failures and successes, all the learnings, um, and and trying to sort of squeeze some kind of meaning out of them. Um, and and ideally, you're doing that in tandem with with um, becoming you know, more cognizant of the things that you're, you find fun, that you find meaningful, that you find entertaining, that you find uh, personally inspiring. And when you sort of compare those two things together, the sort of distillation of your experiences and the distillations of, of your learnings with, you know, a real um, understanding of what, what motivates you in life and what you're excited about and what, what gives you joy, I think those two things can come together to, to, if you're lucky, um, go you know be applied into into something like a business or something like a project. Um, so I think I've gotten better at that over time. Um, however, I will say that you know some of the projects, if I look back on that, I, where I might not have had as much passion for maybe the 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 long term game or the long term venture, you know they still none of them seem like wastes of time. They all seem perfectly, you know, well thought out, you know, rationalized to the extent that they made sense at the time. They made sense even now. Um, and, you know, they excited me. And so I've never started a company where I haven't been 
in love with the idea and the opportunity. Um, and I've never started a business um, purely for the sake of kind of commercial gain or financial gain. There's always been some reason to do it that sort of in many ways supersedes the, the financial, the potential financial reward. Um, but I think once you're in it and once you've been in it for a long time, um, and once you are experiencing, you know, the downside of, of the idea, you're not manifesting the idea in the fullest way. That's the point when you start to think to yourself, well, hang on a minute. What am I, what am I really clinging on to here? Because the, the initial idea is, was very exciting. The full manifestation of that idea is incredibly exciting. If you can will it into existence, but if you can't, then the question sort of inevitably becomes, well, why am I doing this? What, what, is, what, is this, what does this say about me? And why, do I, why am I applying myself and my effort to this? Um, and so that's, that's really the sort of the, dif- the difference, um, I think, in building companies versus, you know, kind of um, the sort of fun and joy of ideation. Um, and those two things are, are sort of the same thing you know, on a Venn diagram at the beginning, but then they kind of can tend to separate as you go through the life cycle of a company um, and reality starts to hit. Um, with Art of Sport, I will say very briefly, my passion um, in life has always been sport. I've played sport my whole life. I, I, I still like to think that I'm an athlete in some way, shape or form. Um, I, um, I've always looked to brands like Nike and to Adidas and to Gatorade and thought to myself, these are, these are real pinnacles um, uh, in not just the sports space, but in uh, serving, serving their customers and, and inspiring uh, people to rise to their full potential. Um, many of the ads, if you recall from, from Nike, certainly back in the day, would feature folks who on the one hand looked completely average. There was one ad I recall of a, of a slightly chubby, overweight kid in the Midwest running by himself in the middle of nowhere uh, under the sort of just do it um, brand line. And then on the other hand, they of course had, you know, Michael Jordan um, uh, flying through the air and, and dunking and being the sort of hero and face that he was. And since then, of course, used incredible athletes, um, uh, especially my co-founder, uh, Kobe Bryant. And so that, that was, that was um, inspiring beyond making sneakers. It was, it was a message to what the world should look like and how we as, as individuals should feel. And so those two things for me collided in art of sport. Uh, those two things in my darkest hours, I can kind of look at and still derive a lot of pleasure from. And then lastly, I think what, what excites me is, is that we are taking a crack at trying to really shake up this category and we're seeing really great traction. Um, we've grown very quickly. Um, and so I, I derive a tremendous amount of pre- uh, pleasure from the kind of pressures of making a diamond uh, to sort of manifest this idea in its fullest. So it's a long answer for you, but, it, but a lot of things kind of snake up into uh, uh, sort of answering the question. And these springboards from one opportunity to the next, feeling that initial passion, that visualization, and ultimately the manifestation uh, are important. And so I, I mean to ask that question, which is, is not necessarily, well, how do you feel that these aren't the best opportunities? And, and instead, maybe I should ask, how do you feel that the next thing is? Now, you've just mentioned a, a particularly notable co-founder. That would, I think, inspire excitement in anybody. How'd you meet mm-hmm. Kobe? Uh, I met Kobe through my other co-founder. So Art of Sport was founded by Kobe Bryant, uh, myself, and Brian Lee. 
Um, and I met Brian. Um, Brian ha- has an incredible entrepreneur, uh, quite an illustrious career, really one of the great careers in the startup arena. Uh, he founded LegalZoom uh, way back in the day, one of the first real internet pioneers, um, and then moved on to building uh, Shoe Dazzle and an honest company, which a lot of people will re- recognize the name, um, where he founded a, a really sort of the, the first um, kind of trustworthy big consumer brand um, for mothers and their children um, with Jessica Alba. Um, So saw a lot of success with that. Um, And Brian and I, um, when we met several years ago, I had just finished a company. He was stepping down from Honest Company. Uh, We really connected on the way that we like to build businesses. We took a lot of lessons away from the two different companies or or, or our careers. Um, And we saw a very big opportunity in the space. And when we started to think to ourselves, through the lens of authenticity, uh, who else we should be getting involved in this venture with us, particularly from the uh, sport community, um, we asked ourselves tons of questions and really all of the questions led to Kobe Bryant as being the, the ultimate person that we could do this business with um, for many, many different reasons. Um, and so uh, Brian had uh, some connective tissue there um, through his children and Kobe's children um, also through um, a, a business partner of his um, who had founded a, uh, a, a sort of venture capital firm with Kobe Bryant, uh, Bryant Stiebel. Um, and so we were able to get an audience with him uh, and sit down with him and really show us, sh- show him uh, our, our early thinking around what we thought the opportunity was. And, and he really connected with it. And everything sort of snowballed from there very quickly. Now, that is a story which I'm incredibly glad that you were able to have that experience and for the time that you were able to partner with him actively on it, I'm sure uh, was a fantastic launch pad for what you are doing now. Before I get into a specific definition of what you think the word authenticity is and how it relates to to that spirit, what are you think some of the biggest things that you learned from Kobe and from Brian about building a business with such passion and um, and intrinsic belonging? Mm. Uh, I think what I, uh, have appreciated from, from both there, there's of course the, the, uh, kind of almost zealous focus on, uh, brand and, and building community, um, and being authentic to that community and serving that, uh, that, that community. Uh, I felt that going into the venture, but I think when you have two other partners, uh, who echo that deeply and believe in that and prioritize that enormously. I think that's when, that's when it really, um, you almost can't hide from, from that as a, as a sort of lighthouse in the business. It really casts its light everywhere in the organization. So uh, I learned a lot from that. And then I've learned different things from both. I've, you know, Brian is, um, is a great catalyst. He's an incredible um, uh, and smart risk taker. Um, he, he, he likes to uh, think things through, through, think through the lens of kind of binary outcomes, um, which is how I tend to think as well. I, I'm, I'm very focused on scalability. I'm very focused on what is, what is the, what does the rocket path look like? How do we get this to a, to a place that sort of conforms to the initial mission? But he, um, his risk tolerance can be a little higher than mine sometimes, which I, I feed off of. And I, and, and it's, it's good to have that dialogue, uh, because you have a combination of, Two folks who can really dream very, very big, and then who can then, in the same breath, um, start to distill what it means to get there. 
um, in, in very kind of pedantic practical terms. Um, and that's what matters because I think as, as soon as you, those two things aren't connected, you, you have a sort of departure from reality or manifesting reality in a way that's, that's quite dangerous um, uh, for ventures. Um, I was watching the Fire Festival documentary again. I've seen it a few times now, but just for 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 giggles. And I and and that's an exactly you know, one of those moments where where you know the vision and the actual execution are are just so departed from each other that that it's uh, it, it turns into a, a into a car crash. So that's something that I've I've learned and enjoyed working with Brian with Kobe. The thing that one has to remember is not only was he one of the greatest athletes of all time. Uh, someone who physically had to will himself into that position. He wasn't necessarily, um, uh, you know, uh, a physically uh, a physical physical specimen in his youth, where somebody would say he's going to be the one of the greatest athletes uh, ever. He had to will himself into that, so the tenacity there was incredible. Um, but he was also uh, a businessman, um, and he had you know a front row seat to to building the Nike brand globally for for upwards of twenty years, um, and was engaged at board level with, with Nike executives thinking through what it means to build a, a cool brand, a, a brand that connects with the athletic community, that sells uh, shoes, that sells an idea and a vision, that competes with folks like Adidas, that competes with other sports brands uh, and for Mindshare. Um, and so he, he was very close to that, never mind practicing his craft as an athlete. And so we got a tremendous amount of inspiration from all those learnings. Um, and the ability to pivot between what matters to the athlete at the highest level through to how do you build a brand that has cultural significance and an amazing brand identity and purpose uh, and it authentically serves the community was something that you probably would struggle to find embodied in really anyone. Um, and so, so those are you know, off the top of my head, two things that, that, that come to mind when I think of my business partners. And those business partners have shown, as you've just described, incredible passion for their respective crafts and in their respective ventures. Kobe willed into existence his athletic performance. Brian likely willed into existence some of the successes that he's had, perhaps via risk tolerance, but uh, via uh, numerous other skills uh, and business acumen. So as we get to the big word of the day that I cover, the A word, you can look at Kobe and you can say, well, his brand over time has been that willful determination and he's authentic to that. Everything he's going to do is going to come from that. The same with Brian and his many incredible businesses that he's built, either with a big celebrity support or without. So it seems like authenticity is something which is reflective in this case or a byproduct of that passion for a specific thing. Do you see it as that or something else? Uh, I think think that authenticity... um has a lot of different definitions. Um, you know, when we were catching up, we talked a little bit about how big of a subject it is. And I think that there are many ways to slice and dice it. Um, and, you know, there's the authentic, there's an authenticity that is authentic to you as an individual. There's authenticity that's authentic to the idea. There's authenticity that's authentic to the customer and the service. Um, um, and, and there's authenticity that sort of, you know, if you have, let's say, a sustainability part to your, to your organization or in some kind of a give back component that might not necessarily be central to your product proposition, there's authenticity in, in that. Um, and so I think that the, for me, the definition of authenticity is, you know, you, in, 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 the, um, in life, you have a menu, you have a lot of different dishes you can order. 
And depending on what you're picking on the menu, there'll be a there'll be a long list of bullet points under each of those that almost define what it means to do those things or or eat those things or you know, order those things um, authentically. And so it's not a it's not a single definition for me. It's it's really a, a constellation. Um, and with art of sport. There are many, many aspects to the organization that are being done authentically. Um, and I would like to think that we are uh, a little obsessive about it, uh, still able to move very, very fast as a startup, still able to grow very fast and maintain those, but do multiple things authentically. And so uh, to that end, when we thought about you know, the people we wanted around the organization, even before the idea, um, we 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 we're very careful, even with just the co-founders and the partners with the business, in, in, in making sure that we had very authentic individuals, authentic to themselves, uh, prioritizing the authenticity of the idea and the manifestation of that. And then uh, as we started the venture, as we started to organize um, um, our relationship with, with a wider athletic community, and we brought on seven incredible athletes, including James Harden and uh, Javier Baez from the Cubs, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster from the Steelers, Ken Roxon, a motocross uh, and uh, supercross uh, world champion, uh, Ryan Sheckler, skateboarder, um, and Sage Erickson, at the time uh, a U.S. Uh, world surf champion. Uh, we were very deliberate in choosing why um, those individuals and why those athletes uh, were, were important and what they could offer. Um, so just by virtue of, of the team and, and gradually building that team, uh, we were very selective. Um, certain criteria there was, do they represent the athlete, athletic community correctly? Um, do they, are they the faces of the athletes in the United States? So we had Hispanics, we had Blacks, we had Whites, we had men, we had women, we had uh, uh, athletes at different stages of their careers, some very young, some older. Uh, of course, the legend of Kobe Bryant at the top. Um, and so surrounded ourselves very early on uh, in that way. And then when it came to product and developing products for the athlete, of course, we had that consortium that could really advise us and test the products and feel the products and feedback on it because that's who we're serving. Um, but we wanted to emulate, take the best pages out of the playbooks of the Nikes of this world and the Adidas's of this world who started their businesses on the field with athletes. Um, you know, if you go back in time, Bill Bowerman and or at Oregon developing running shoes on, on, on literally on the turf, on the, um, on the track, uh, at, at, um, university of Oregon for runners and testing those products and iterating, 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 iterating until they had something really remarkable. The same was true of, uh, Adi Dassler who founded Adidas and did that much earlier than Nike, even in, in the thirties. Um, and developed running shoes, and, and Jesse Owens, uh, you know, wore a pair during the Olympics, and um, and so to us, it was if you're going to make products for athletes, you have to do it on the field. It's true of Under Armour as well. It's true of the Gatorade as well, made on the field with athletes, and that's what we did. And then as we started to uh, develop that 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 um, that list of of products that we felt would best serve them, you know, we looked at the formulations, we looked at what those ingredients would do for the athlete. Uh, would it inspire confidence? Would it help them perform better? Would it help them recover faster? Would it protect them in the elements? Um, and why is that cocktail of ingredients what it is? And so every step of the way, I think that we've been authentic in terms of 
uh, building the venture. And then lastly, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, um, the way that we think about our, the price of the products, uh, where you can get the products, those things are also authentic to serving the athlete. Um, you know, our vision is that if you have a body, you're an athlete, and I'm, I'm, I'm plagiarizing there from Bill Bowerman and Nike. Um, they, they, they fully believed everyone was an athlete, and so everyone could be inspired into greatness. We feel the same. Um, and so as a result, the prices for our products are low. Um, they're affordable. They're, they're, they're something the average American can purchase. Um, and so it's not exclusive to a, a community of folks who, who might have the disposable income to afford them. That was always a goal. Um, it was intentionally designed to be everywhere. So we started online and uh, in 2020, um, we launched it, the biggest partnership at retail um, because we wanted the products to be available to athletes everywhere. And we're, we're continuing on that path. And so uh, again, a long answer to the question, but I think when, when we talk about authenticity, it's very important to get into the weeds. It's important to get into those bullet points across all of those items on the menu, because that's really when you start to, to develop and architect something that's authentic. Saying something is authentic and, and sort of slapping an athlete on that, on that, and we see that a lot with brands out there today, is that they're ultimately not nearly as obsessive about, about uh, architecting authenticity into their organization. And, and I think that we are, and, and that's something that's important to us. I agree. And you can see a lot of that and immediately know that it's BS. So rather than just say, oh, we're authentic, it's much better to have this story. So I appreciate going into the weeds. As a matter of fact, to me, it's part of vetting it out. The only way that I really know, and this is just coming from a host of a podcast that talks about this, you know, many times a week, that somebody has actually gone through and and been authentic, like rigorously, is if they can go into those weeds. So I appreciate the details. And I'm going to give you uh, a chance to answer a question from me on advice in, in two parts. I'm going to do that in just a second because the first thing I'll do is get to what we were just talking about, the outlook uh, for, for this uh, year. Uh, 2020 meant a lot of growth. You were available at Target. That's obvious for anybody who goes to uh, artofsport.com. This year, um, maybe in 2020, uh, Target foot traffic at least would have been way, way lower because of COVID. We are hoping we're coming out of that. What are you, what are you looking forward to for 21? Um you know, now that that retail presence can can shine uh, alongside your uh, rapidly growing direct presence. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, if you had asked me, um, was there, could there have been a more difficult time to launch a new consumer brand at retail? Um, I could not have imagined um, anything really worse than, than what we went through in, in 2020. That's true for a lot of different brands. Uh, you know, consumer behavior really changed. Um, consumers going into retail uh, uh, historically, when things were in, in a normal state, would browse. You know, there's a, there's a browsing behavior that ensues. They're um, exploring uh, new brands. They're looking at ingredients. They're seeing things that are on offer. Um, they're they're excited about new things on shelf. Um, you know, um, uh, buyers and, and 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 merchants are are. are make an effort to merchandise those things in a brilliant way. And, and so discovery of a new thing is, is in normal times vastly um, uh, more, um, you know, has, has, has greater uh, potential than, than now where people uh, have, a, have, a, have a list of things that they're 
aiming to buy. They're looking generally to replenish the things they know and they trust, and they want to get in and out as fast as they can. Uh, and so that's a very big consumer behavior that, that we saw uh, transition in 2020, and it, and it had major implications for, for new brands on shelf. Now, the other challenge, of course, was we lost Kobe uh, early in the year. Uh, and we launched, we, we lost Kobe um, about two weeks or so before we set uh, all of our products on shelf nationally at Target uh, in, the, in the biggest partnership they'd ever done. And so um, Kobe was going to be a, a, a big part of that launch. We were going to uh, promote the brand uh, in, in, in very big and, and aggressive ways. And of course, to be considerate and, and, uh, and not uh, exploitative in that moment, we, we, we very actively and proactively decided to ratchet down uh, a lot of the promotion related to, to the launch of this, this brand. And, um, and so those two things came together in, in a very big way in 2020. And, and I will say that um, I think because we were authentic, because we designed a product that really serves a purpose, that has a role uh, on shelf that competes with players, who, legacy players who might not have innovated, and we were in a category where men have kind of been neglected um, in skincare. Uh, I think we we saw massive adoption um, uh, despite all of those challenges. Um, and so I, I connect I connect that back to the authentic approach to solving for for this problem and creating a, an identity. Now, um, what we what we also managed to do was I think what we. we despite sport kind of shutting down and, and people not going to various uh, sporting events and people having to transition their health to sort of something that was more of a, a, a individualistic experience versus a team thing. Um, you know, I think that we're, there were a lot of questions around what it, how will people, um, uh, t- you know, continue to be proactively um, uh, uh, or pro- uh, pro- proactively prioritize fitness in their lives? How will they uh, you know, uh, train, how will they exercise? And so a lot of that's transitioned indoors. People are jogging, you know, Dick's share price has gone up tremendously because people are doing more um, uh, at-home fitness. Um, and so so we've seen that be a, a very positive uh, signal. And in some ways, um, what's great is I think people are, are educating themselves more than ever on how to be fit in this world where the gym isn't the only solution. Um, and so I think that as a result, there's, there's been a lot of exploration within the act, active community and the fitness community uh, uh, around ways of having a healthy life, leading a healthy life. And so I think you see growth from brands that offer better for you products and Art of Sport offers a better for you skincare brand without all of the questionable chemicals. Um, and so I think skincare is coming online uh, in tandem with that trend. As we look to 2021, we're coming out of that a little bit uh, with a little bit of a slingshot, uh, where the first part of the year was, uh, uh, call it, you know, uh, rocky and difficult and challenging for a lot of different folks. Um, now things have normalized a little bit, even pre-vaccine. I think people are understand how to apply a mask and feel comfortable out in public and take precautions and stores are certainly set up for it. So we will see that even pre-vaccine restore to, uh, I think, a, a good place. Um, obviously, the political landscape will also hopefully have calmed down. Um, and so uh, the first part of the year, we think, will continue to be very successful. And um, 
we will be launching um, almost 10x uh, more retail uh, doors, um, which is something I'm incredibly excited about. I can't get into too much detail there, but uh, we are fulfilling the mission of making our products widely available across the country. We're an omni-channel brand. You can find us on artisport.com and on Amazon, but uh, you know a lot of consumers still shop this product at physical brick and mortar locations. And so we, we're very bullish and very excited about about all of those things converging to, to hopefully, uh, uh, you know, present a, a very, you know, uh, opportune and, and positive uh, business landscape. Well, that's certainly exciting. 10x. I mean, my God, that is uh, not a slight undertaking. And my guess, of course, is that this may be a, a ramp that could have been more gradual in 20. But now that you are ready to go, it's sort of you're what is, I don't know what the opposite of jumping off the cliff is. I guess jumping <laughs> off the cliff, but uh, you are. Yeah doing some pretty crazy uh pretty crazy growth here obviously and that expansion will will reflect that so uh even though you can't get too much into it i'm very excited maybe i can replace uh getting into it with with this with this closer which is really a two parter one on behalf of our listeners who are perhaps seeking to start their own businesses and brands and yeah. be authentic through it of course and then the second for those who are perhaps in them now and looking to to grow them or build them in a specific way. I'll start mm-hmm. with the first. The first is not everybody, of course, has access to somebody like a Kobe Bryant or a Brian Lee. How yeah. would you recommend that somebody even gets themselves into the position to be in the room with people like this? I mean, is there there's no silver bullet, but is there something that people can do to make it more likely to manifest it perhaps? Um, well, I, I will say that that should not be a goal. Um, it's, uh, and that sounds controversial. Um, you obviously want to surround yourself with the most competent and exciting partners who can, who can really, uh, extend your, uh, wherewithal in a, in a meaningful way. Um, and that comes in lots of different shapes and sizes. So, so it, it, it doesn't necessarily require a brand name, uh, or someone of that, of that caliber. Um, to, to be successful. So I think a lot of folks look for those silver bullets out there. And I don't, I, I want to caution um, uh, from that because I think, um, and, and this is something that, you know, Kobe also always advocated was, you know, you have to trust the process. Um, and you're not, and if, you're, if you're hanging your success on the outcomes, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be misguided and, and take you in the wrong direction. And so from my perspective, if I, if I apply that to my own experience and, and, and try and squeeze some, some advice out of that, is, is I've been building businesses since I was 14. I, um, I've tried many different things. I've taught, I've spent inordinate amounts of time uh, building and tinkering and trying to grow things. I've experienced failure. I've, I've, I've always punched above my weight class. Um, and if I fail, I try to fail up. I try to do, I try to do, uh, you know, get up back up on the horse and keep going, um, and try something new and, and, and do all of those things. Uh, I, I, I hope, uh, honorably to the extent that people who were with me on those journeys continue to invest because they believe that things were done with a great degree of care and integrity. Um, and so my point is, um, I'm not sort of lauding my own wherewithal, but, but is that I, I put in the work. Um, I look aggressively for, for, to go after things that I'm exceptionally passionate about. I, I've invested a lot of time in, in manifesting ideas. And um, those are the things that will stand anyone looking to 
pursue an entrepreneurial career well. You don't kind of roll out of bed and, and suddenly decide, hey, I want to associate myself with folks who've built billion-dollar businesses tomorrow. How do I get in the room with them? Um, that's, the, that's, the, that's a shortcut that I think most people like to look for. But the reality is, is there are no shortcuts and it's just a lot of hard work. And over time, as you start to build a career and as you start to build a name for yourself, um, then those things come with that. Um, but again, uh, you know, I think that the point here is, and whilst that might sound daunting, focus on the process and, and enjoy the process. Enjoy, enjoy that experience because all of the, all of the sort of opportunities that, that or the opportunities for, for associating with, with great business partners will follow if, if, if you're you know, deeply connected to and, and committed to, to, to the process and, and the path, the entrepreneurial journey. So you know, uh, probably not what listeners would like to hear. They'd probably like me to just give it rattle off a couple of email addresses and phone numbers, but uh, you know, and I've been, I've been, I've made those mistakes myself. I have cold. If, if someone found the list of folks I've cold emailed, I would be very embarrassed because you could probably fill a library uh, with all kinds of uh, spammy uh, uh, cold calls and all kinds of other stuff. And that's part of the, part of the process as well as always be selling. Um, but nevertheless, the focus needs to be on building your craft and, 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 and just uh, getting started. Well, spammy messages aside, let me round out then with the other question, which is one I more typically ask for people who are perhaps building brands today. You say trust yeah. the process. Of course, that's a statement that we all know well. And within that process, what advice could you give our listeners about how to carve their own, using the name of this show, avenues to authenticity? Um, yeah, I think, I think that, so, you know, I think that there's, um, it's hard to retroactively apply authenticity. It's not to say that you can't um, and start to prioritize that. I think for folks who are listening, I think authenticity is obviously something that's important. So they'll they'll know the answer to this already. But it it, it starts it starts at the beginning, um, and it starts with taking the time to leaf through the pages of the book and and sort of make sure that it does read well, uh, that it is a complete story. Uh, at least, you know, at the beginning, uh, and that those values are both internal and external and they're acted on. Um, I won't claim that we do everything perfectly, not by a mile. You know, that, that's part of, I think, the authentic approach is to at least know where you're falling short um, and, and try and verbalize that even if it's uncomfortable, try and Try and you know have a forum in the in the organization where those conversations can 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 be had. Um, there is no there are set definitions for authenticity that I think are things that should be unwavering and those should be uh, timeless. Um, but then there are ones that will arise and fluctuate and change with with a dynamic world that we live in. And the question will be: Do we have the forum and do we have the people who are adaptive and responsive? Um, and willing to have those conversations in, in a way that you know, no one feels like their job's on the line or, they'll, or, or, or um, feelings will be hurt. So that, that's something I would advocate for, for folks who are already in it, is do you have an internal culture that facilitates uh, that examination? Um, are, is everyone in the organization invited to participate in that? Um, and sometimes, you know, democracies are great, sometimes they're not. Um, and so it's a very careful balance of of ensuring that people are heard, the best ideas are plucked out from, from all corners of the organization. And then that 
you know, there's a clear action plan that follows the, the, the sort of ideal that's put down on paper. And, and the last closing thing I will say, and this is a, a contentious one because this could be an episode in, in and of itself, is I think that um, more often than not, increasingly, um, we hear about you know, Gen Z and Gen X and uh, millennials looking for authentic brands. Um, and that's a very big word. And there are billions of interpretations of what authenticity means. And the simplistic response to that has been that um, for-profit organizations have to be uh, altruistic. They have to, they have to embody these, these bigger values that exceed, that go miles beyond the products that they make. And I think that that's a noble idea, but I also think that there's authenticity to be had from thinking smaller and deliberately about the products that are being offered. And if that means, hey, we're going to make the best leather handbags, or we're going to make the, the best running shoe, or we're going to make the, you know, the, 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 the best facial cream, or whatever it might be, then, then there's authenticity in that mission that, is, that has equity, and that is noble. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about changing the world all the time, because I think that's when we start to bump up against inauthentic uh, physics. Um, applied to an organization that can't really manifest those values anyway, but but it feels good to say that you can. And so I, I just want to make sure that that spectrum of authenticity is kind of at least acknowledged and that people can derive tremendous amounts of pleasure in narrowing the scope of authenticity to what they do and what they offer for their communities versus feeling like they have to necessarily dramatically increase the scope because they're hearing about all of these larger brands or, or, or um, new startups that, that have these very illustrious sounding missions, but, but might fall short in the way of delivering them. So, so hopefully that's some consolation to folks who are scratching their heads and thinking about where does authenticity fall uh, in, in our organization. Um, and there's a lot of work that can be done that's, that's hopefully productive and useful that doesn't require uh, a complete transition into something that is a, a totally foreign, uh, totally foreign idea, just because people are maybe feeling a little FOMO or they're feeling sheepish that their organization or their business doesn't necessarily carry the same oomph as some of the sort of more grandiose storylines. So, uh, hopefully, that's useful. Not sure if it is, but but um, that's that's my two cents on the subject. Well, it's a nuanced process to figure out whether you are being pushed from a culture which you deem not authentic or pulled towards some new opportunity that you are more passionate about. That's something that we've been able to discuss both sides of here. And so I appreciate that advice again in the weeds, but again, important. I appreciate learning about how you've learned from Kobe and Brian Lee. I appreciate learning about the growth that maybe you were looking forward to in 20 that you will definitely look forward to now in 21. And I can't wait to see how you continue to build out this process and this authentic message through those uh, with whom you partner. For now, it was really great to get a little bit of your insight. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have had it and I'm grateful to have our listeners hear it. So uh, for all of that, Matthias, thanks so much for joining us. It was great to have you. That's very kind of you. And, and um, you know, authenticity is, is achieved by teams, not individuals. And so to that end, it's a, this is a shout out to, to, to my whole team who, who make that authenticity uh, come to life. Uh, beyond just some of the words and some of the ideas that uh, that I can table. Um, so 
grateful to my team and, and grateful for your time today. And I hope, I hope it was of some value to listeners. Just looking at the broad arc of the story we told today, I can't imagine being in that position and having to come through such a tragic moment to build this brand and to look forward to a better, brighter 2021. And yet, that's what Matias has been able to do, and Art of Sport is looking forward to some fantastic growth this year, undoubtedly fueled by the lessons of the late Kobe Bryant. So thank you, Matias, and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. If you want to hear more stories like this, I'm also available elsewhere. Of course, you should subscribe to this show. I've got plenty more episodes wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating and review while you're there. Of course, that would be helpful as well. And I'm on LinkedIn, Authentic Avenue, and Adam Connor. There's a little growing community on LinkedIn, actually nearly 200 strong, and I'd encourage you to stick around there as well. Finally, email adam at authenticavenuemedia.com for suggestions for future shows, or if you just like to say hello, I'm down for that too. With that, I will sign off. So this has been your host, Adam Connor, and I am now saying, until I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue. Avenue.